This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Tech Careers segment, I will be talking with Jim Demikis. Jim is a Senior Applications Instructor with Directions Training. He's been an Applications Instructor for over 23 years, the last 12 of which have been with Directions. He specializes in the Microsoft Office Suite. Welcome to the show, Jim. I'm so happy to have you. I know today we're going to have a conversation about Microsoft Project. Um, so let's get started with my first question. Um, could you give us a general description of Microsoft Project and what its niche is in the Microsoft Office family? Well, Microsoft Project uh, is actually one of the older tools. Uh, Microsoft put it out, I think it was like their third product. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was aimed originally internally at sort of internal project managers at Microsoft itself. And then they kind of decided that there was there was a, a market for that to roll it on out. Um, but basically, it's really all about scheduling tasks um, in time and and putting together a schedule to make sure that the uh, that the projects can execute as planned. Uh, resources can be brought in. Um, costs that are associated with those resources can be added on in as well. And ultimately, the idea is uh, project managers can use this as a scheduling and a control tool, uh, not only before the project starts to anticipate what they're supposed to be doing, but how to analyze the project as it's going along and uh, update things at, as they need to, as they change as you're going on, going on in time. Okay, well, that's really interesting and I think really helpful um, to have something that can organize a project when, um, you know, there's so many pieces to a project. So is this tool just for project managers? Well, I would say primarily it is um, because people who are going to be using this tool are probably tasked with the ability to get a project schedule organized, keep it together, keep it on track. Now, there are certain outputs um, available that are 
possibly used in other other areas um, and data from project could be exported or copied and pasted into say PowerPoint presentations for uh, keeping other people informed about what's going on or what's being planned in a project. Um, and those that would not only be uh, the, the people working on the project, the actual uh, team members involved, but some of the other stakeholders, people that the project is being done for, um, and people who have to also keep track of many projects. Now we, we've been, you know, we're main, we're still first talking about one project here, but ultimately, as things have evolved, um, many other people can view project data once you get into the more advanced application uh, of where you can view project from the online perspective. Very interesting. Um, I think it could be a tool for many people, but primarily, like you said, for project managers. So how are project schedules generated? Well, a lot of input has to be uh, taken into account. Uh, mainly, you know, what are the goals of the project overall? Um, time, uh, of course, being a very important factor and budget, uh, but the scope of a project, what's included, what's not included. Uh, and those uh, pieces of information are basically put together in a project plan by entering the data regarding each task as sort of a separate item. Now, tasks have to have a certain amount of time associated or estimated for how long each task would take individually but then those tasks can be linked together in a variety of ways, and those are called dependencies. Uh, typically, the end of one task triggers the beginning of another task down the line, but there are times when tasks can start at the same time or be sequenced to finish at the same time. Uh, there can be built-in waiting periods between the end of one task and the beginning of another called a, a, a lag time. And sometimes tasks can partially overlap depending on the nature of the work or lead time. But the bottom line is you're putting together a schedule based on that type of input. And what it really ends up generating is more or less, uh, now the classic view is basically called a Gantt chart. Um, it is a, it's a visual representation of a project over what's called a time scale. And that really sort of gives the idea of overall when's the start of the project when's the end of the project, and that way the schedule is then available to work with further. Yeah, sounds really, really cool uh, to bring in time, budget, scope. So th that does sound like a lot of data is required. How How is this made more digestible so that you can really, you know, understand it, consume it in an easier way? Well, the features uh, in project beyond the data, because uh, projects are basically based on a database of information, and there's there's several hundred fields to be dealt to be dealt with. Now, the the view, the different ways that you can look at the underlying data, is really sort of the key for what you might refer to as digestibility, mm -hmm. um, and that that gives different ways of seeing. A lot of people are going to get sort of buried in the mountain of data that you're generating when you're building a project schedule, but the views often have graphical components that allowed for um, 
indicators and other key pieces of information to be visible on the screen so that it, people have a clearer understanding of that. So looking at it in different ways and different views kind of makes it more digestible, makes it easier to understand. That That's really great. Um, but, you know, we hear stats all the time that uh, a lot of projects fail to be completed on time and schedules uh, don't always play out today according to plan. How is this addressed using Microsoft Project? Well, a couple of the, uh, the mechanisms, uh, one of them is, is called setting a baseline where the original schedule intention is captured um, into a series of fields that can then be displayed graphically on the Gantt chart. Um, then as actual data is entered uh, as to what the actual progress is, you can see plan sort of versus the reality. Now, usually uh, what has to happen is uh, Project provides tools for tasks to be rescheduled after the fact. Uh, in some cases, more resources might be called into play to get things done faster to pull the entire project back into line. But it's sort of the uh, traditional project met methodology that the tasks all sort of all unfold in a given sequence. That's really interesting. Um having this tool to kind of guide you through that timeline i think is very helpful to kind of keep you uh, on track so uh, hopefully by using this tool you can you know make sure that the projects are scheduled and finished on time so um i know we've been talking about like one project at a time how how does this uh, play out for several projects that are ongoing? What does that look like? Well, the idea is uh, in, in the uh, desktop application, it was possible to insert other projects as what would be called sub-projects and essentially build together what would be called a master schedule. Now, um, in the online implementations, uh, instead of storing individual files. Um, project plans are sort of stored um, in a SharePoint database, and then those are put together in what's sort of called a portfolio, so that many projects can be viewed concurrently from different perspectives. And um, that allows for uh, someone who is maybe for, uh, responsible for managing multiple projects to see all that information pulled into one place or perhaps a couple of different views where they can focus on what's relevant to the, the success of the projects. Since you mentioned um, that Project Online is now part of Office 365, can it be used in Teams and Power BI? Uh, well, the Teams environment is not quite there. I've, I've been looking at it, and um, there there are some workarounds where people are able to uh, use other components uh, of Office 365, uh, such as Flow, to alert team members when new projects come online or when individual project tasks are added to an existing plan. Uh, now, Project Online, uh, 
project online uh, does have a Power BI uh, pack that can be added where that information could be fed directly into the Power BI tool. And then instead of looking at the information from projects perspective, they could look at it on a, on a Power BI dashboard. That's very helpful because, you know, data is plentiful today, but to have it in an easy digestible format that you could kind of make decisions off of is really important. So having it being exported into Power BI, I, I believe is really a helpful tool. Um, so one last question. Um, most of these sounds like traditional full schedule project management that we've talked about. And over time, agile project methodologies have emerged. So has project Microsoft Project kept up with those trends? Uh, in a way, it has, and, and uh, one of the other features here is uh, the ability when you're starting out a project um, in the <clears throat> desktop application is loading in templates that are that contain different elements, um, such as uh, the, the uh, sprint methodology, where instead of listing out projects sequentially all in one big row, they put them on what are called boards, mm -hmm. and the, bo the boards go through a series of, of iterations where at the end of uh, one pass, tasks that are completed are sort of taken off the board and other tasks that need to be continued in the next iteration of effort on the project are moved down the line. Um, so they are starting to try to address that because in a way, um, as those methodologies become more popular, uh, the tool itself has got to keep up with the um, more or less the state of the art and project management in terms of how people are using uh, different methodologies. So that's, yeah, that's great that it's keeping up with the new methodologies because um, these trends are upcoming on a daily basis. So if somebody wants to get started using Microsoft Project, what would be the first step that they should take? Well, uh, there's several different websites out there that uh, people can visit. Um, there are some learning tools, videos available. Um, I'm trying to think if I could recommend one or two of them for you here. Um, certainly, um, at Directions, we do offer a, a two-day class primarily in the desktop applications of how to work with those. Um, and those are still sort of built around the traditional project management methodologies as I was describing earlier. That's um, great. That's great. I think, you know, there's lots, they definitely can Google and find um, other tools for learning project management, but our two-day class is also a great start, starts from the beginning um, and kind of goes through in pretty good detail um, how to get started on a project. So that's that's really great information, Jim. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being on the show and hopefully we'll have you again on another show for a new topic. Okay, thank you, Jennifer. It was a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? 
Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it, in person, virtual, on demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week in our Women in Tech segment, I will be talking with Jen Stura. Jen is the data whisperer and a data strategist and technologist with over 20 years experience in delivering artificial intelligence and business intelligence projects worldwide. She is also Microsoft's most valuable professional, MVP, a Microsoft certified trainer, MCT, and Microsoft's regional director. Jen is the founder of Data Relish Limited, a boutique analytics, artificial intelligence, and business intelligence consultancy based in the UK. Jen holds expertise in a range of technologies, including Tableau, Power BI, R database, and Azure cloud technologies. Jen has written books on machine learning, in the cloud, as well as analytics and data visualization. Jen is an advocate of diversity in technology, international public speaker and blogger, published author and keynote speaker. She's a noted influencer, identified as top 17 influencers in big data and analytics, and one of 10 female influencers you should follow. She has been noted as one of our top 20 women working wonders in AI, machine learning, data science, and big data. And rather humorously, top badass women working in data. Welcome to the show, Jen. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you very much for having me along today. I'm really excited to be here and thank you for this opportunity to talk all about women in technology. I'm passionate about this topic, so I'm really excited, really. Great. Well, let's get started. Um, so can you share with me a little bit about your career path or your journey in technology? Well, I actually learned to program when I was eight years old. I was very, very lucky to have some wonderful great uncles and my grandfather in my life, very, very strong role models who firmly believed that girls could do anything that boys could do. And they taught me how to program a computer, a really old beaten up computer, and it really sparked that interest in technology, which has really been with me ever since. That's awesome. Wow. Eight years old and really great role models. I think those are great ways um, to get started in technology. And you were so fortunate to start at a very young age. Yes, I agree. And I think the impacts we can have on the younger generations is something we underestimate, really. So when I eventually wrote to my great uncle when I was going to graduate in AI, he was just so proud 
and I think it's important to pay it forward sometimes. So I just want to thank him. Uh, really, he's he's passed away now, but he's very much been a great presence in my life. So I was very lucky, and I'm still very lucky, to do things that I'm really passionate about. And it's not just about the technology, it's about the good and the impact you can have in doing it. That's great. And I am very, very passionate about um, getting more girls into technology because I think that's the only way we're going to bridge the gap, right? Because we're constantly uh, fighting the battle today uh, to get more women in technology, but it really starts with the pipeline of getting more girls in technology. So we need lots of role models like your uncle uh, for girls to, you know, show them the path sometimes. I agree, and I think it's about helping women and girls really to weave a story with technology to show the impact that they can have. So something else that I do is I do some charity work in my spare time for a charity called Datakind. And what we do is we take data scientists and they volunteer the skills and we do good work for charities. And I think you can do so much with technology that you can't really un overestimate just how much good you can do with it. And I think if we tell more of those stories to to girls, they can really see they can make such a difference. Yes, that's so true. Microsoft has a program called DigiGirls, and I uh, volunteer time um, for that program periodically. And it is so neat. It's exactly what you're saying. Uh, they need to visualize and see what they could be in order for them to want a career in technology. So telling those stories and painting those pictures for them is so critical. So um, did you always know, so at eight years old, when you were introduced to technology by your uncles, what was that spark? What, what made you think, wow, I really love this. This is something that, you know, I want to do more of. Tell, tell us when that hit you. I think it was about the impact that I could have. I could show people my programs and I used to write little programs. You type something in and it told you a joke back, that kind of thing. And it used to make people laugh with technology. And I thought, well, I didn't have a clear direction, but I did understand that actually this was the future. And I think um, the spark really was about that sense of accomplishment. And I think that's something that people really need in their lives. And I think some of my happiest moments are whenever I feel I've accomplished something. It's a very strange sense of satisfaction because it has some longevity. Yeah, that's that's really great. It's problem solving, right? You want to you want that challenge. You want to solve a problem and you want to make a difference. And that's what gives you that satisfaction. Yes, absolutely. I think also it's good to feel you're solving problems for other people. So like you say, DigiGirls has a real impact on girls of that those quite difficult teen years. I would never be a teenager again. <laughs> <laughs> Me <It's> such, either. <laughs> it's such a tough time in your life, you know, and you get lots of people telling you what to do. But what I like about DigiGirls is that it gives the girls opportunities to try something. Mm 
that they haven't done before and they're not telling them what to do or what to think it's more try it see what you think and there's lots of angles you can use to be involved with technology you don't have to just code you can be involved as a as an organizer or i think a new job role coming out as an analytics translator where people take ai and data science problems and explain the numbers to other people that's amazing um, so, you know, we're in such a male dominated industry, you know, as well as I do. Um, do you feel that women have the same opportunities as men in our industry? I think things are changing a lot. When I was um, at university, I certainly didn't feel that I would have a level playing field. And I know throughout some of my career, there's been times when I felt that I've had to be 10 times as good to get to the same place. I think things are changing a little bit and I can see that organisations are actively believing that diversity and inclusion is an important thing for their organisations and the science is there. We know that that's true and that's not just for women in technology as well. It's also things like social diversity or age diversity mm -hmm. and uh, working with people who maybe don't have uh, the same physical abilities as everyone else. And I think now organisations are starting to really value the diversity that they can have. And I, I am seeing a lot more of diversity and inclusion. So it's not just men and women, it's all different people to make them feel welcome, to make them feel part of an organization and as part of a community, it's so critical that we need to think about those things because we all have unconscious biases that sometimes we don't realize uh, we have. So, you know, the diversity and inclusion programs are really bringing those out. So I, I do think you're right that, that things are changing. Now, as a woman yourself in technology, what are some of the challenges you've faced? I mean, you're in a very heavy with AI and analytics, uh, very heavy male dominated role. So what, what challenges have you faced and how have you overcome them? I think some of the challenges are really about your voice being heard. Mm -hmm. That's difficult to get your voice heard in an organisation where you are maybe the only female and everyone else is male. And perhaps for me personally, it's been a challenge my, to my confidence. And what I've had to do usually is find allies or accomplices, maybe you want to call them, in mm -hmm. the organisation who help your voice to carry that a little bit further. I think also something that's really helped me is uh, the practice of journaling. So I do keep a journal and I do that to try and remember the successes I've had. When I first started to journal, I used it as a tool really where I could find things in my behaviour that perhaps um, were causing repeat patterns and maybe some of my reactions were not quite what they should have been and I tried to learn from that and then I started to record my successes as well because otherwise it became a bit like a petty journal you know how mm -hmm. to <laughs> and I really find that journaling is so important because when you read back you think hey that thing really bugged me at the time but now actually it doesn't bother me and I've forgotten about it. And for some reason it seems to level out 
the volume control on the emotions that you have. It's not to say that emotions are a bad thing. I'm a firm believer that emotional intelligence really helps you to connect with your customers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so crucial. And I think that's a major challenge that I've had really is to try and use my emotions in a good way, in a very intelligent way, so I can be more empathetic to people around me. And for AI, that's really important because people don't always understand it. They perhaps feel they're on the back foot a little bit. They feel a bit exposed. And that causes people to react in funny ways. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't engage or sometimes they just become angry. Um, And you find yourself in situations where you think, well, I don't understand where this reaction is coming from. But what I've started to realise is that it's AI is basically just processing data and it's also a change management process because people do not like to change and they certainly do not like to be changed. And that's one of the big challenges, I think. But I think being female means that you're a bit like a lady doctor and there is a difference between going to your doctor and going to a lady doctor because people feel you empathise more. And I think that's what I bring to the table, really, is that empathy. That's awesome. Yes, the empathy is one of our, you know, strong uh, features as a woman. So bringing that to the table, also collaboration is another one where we can really, you know, connect with people and solve problems as a team rather than in a silo. So definitely really great points and um, having your voice heard really, really important. And um, using allies to do that is really a really smart way. So yeah, you've you've probably seen some of these challenges and you've done an amazing job about overcoming them. I did wanna ask you one question um, on journaling. Uh, So do you journal on the computer or do you journal handwritten? I personally prefer handwriting. Me too. (laughs) Yes, me too. And I did try on the computer, but I just felt that it became a a sort of place for snippets and I was copying and pasting and not Mm. really journaling. So one thing I did was I bought myself a beautiful fountain pen and I bought myself a beautiful notebook and because I spent money on it it means I value it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm more likely to stick at it as well because I think you know what I really want to just get out that wonderful book with the cream lined paper and just going to sit down with a cup of tea and because I'm British it has to have milk in it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I just let my thoughts down and it's it's hard at first because it tends to start start out a bit like Today I did this, today I did that. But suddenly it starts to make you think, well, actually, today something made me really angry or today I felt upset about something. And then it becomes much more the sort of journal that it should be, like a trusted friend that you're having a coffee with. And then we, you look back over a few months, you think, yeah, I can see patterns in my behaviour that I need to improve. I did find, for example, one of my challenges is that I am not good at asking for help. It's something that I've, I really have to work at. I also have to really work hard at delegating and allowing other people to own something. And in my diary, in my journal, I could look back and think, you know what, that didn't go well. And that's because I didn't articulate what I wanted properly. 
And I think the journal helped me to see that. So the failure was not the person involved or the team involved. It was more I wasn't prescriptive enough and I had to put more effort into that. So it does actually really help your professional outlook just to journal. So my advice would be treat yourself, jump onto a really nice stationery store online and get something really beautiful. Treat yourself. I love that. And um, that's, you know, very similar to what I did um, because I love nice pens too. So I got a Mont Blanc uh, fountain pen and a really nice journal. And um, I journal at night. Do you journal at night or in the morning? What, what's your best time? Oh, absolutely at night. I am mm -hmm. not a morning person. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, at night is at least the the day is still fresh in your mind, and you know it really is a great way to kind of recap. And I love that you go back and you learn from you know when you look at it objectively, you're not in the moment um, making decisions or uh, like you said, not delegating or um, you know uh, own letting other people own the project. Sometimes when you're deep in the trenches, you don't see that. But if you come back and you read about it, um, it's very easy to see those patterns. So I love, I love that. I'm going to have to go back and and read mine to see what what if you know I can come up with those patterns, which I'm sure they are there. So that's great. Um, so you know, we talked about empathy and we talked about collaboration. What other advantages do you think you have as a woman in the technology field? Where do you feel that you bring? something additional to the table? I think the ability to be humble mm -hmm. and the ability to say, actually, I don't know. Can we try a few things or can we explore that question further? And the reason I say that is because I think there's something to be said for leaving your ego at the front door <laughs> when you've got some really difficult problems to solve. So when CTO I spoke to said he'd been trying to execute this project successfully for two years, but he'd had in a lot of male colleagues and a lot of male team members. And he said it was a bit like a, a, a match between who had the, the the sort of largest amount of testosterone, really, um, <laughs> because they just all argued the whole time. And he said it was became very much alpha male against alpha male and it wasn't good and it kept happening so what he said was he believed that if he didn't succeed with a group of women that this project was just never going to work so he hired me he hired a very very smart lady that i work with now and again who's just wonderful i don't want to give names here because <laughs> i don't right. want the cto to <laughs> yeah. Be embarrassed about the fact that his project had failed for two years <laughs> and he actually put in another very strong female technical lead as well and we also had a number of men so it was a very diverse team people from different backgrounds and the project was a success and he said afterwards he said he believes the diversity of the team was the real asset and is a female in technology i was not threatening to the men that he, that were on his team. So I think that ability just to really try and get along with people and collaborate is so important. You mentioned collaboration earlier. That's crucial. 
absolutely crucial, especially with AI and data science projects, because there are so many lenses that you can look at the data through. Very, very true. And uh, that humility, that empathy, that collaboration that you and, and uh, the team brought to that project is what really made it a success. So that's that's great. It's not, you know, I always say check your ego at the door because, you know, there is no ego. You, uh, you really have to work on the problem. We are all equal. We all have strengths in different areas that we bring to the table. So that's great. Um, so, you know, you're such a successful woman in technology uh, and you've done amazing things. What advice would you give to a woman considering a career in the technology industry? I think I've got two pieces of advice. And the first one is to own everything you do and be the absolute best at it, even if it's something that seems really menial. So in my first career job, I was given a lot of things that I thought were fairly menial. And I thought, why am I being given this? I've just graduated. I've got postgraduate degrees, you know, and mm -hmm. <laughs> why have I been given these really menial tasks? But then I realized if I couldn't be trusted with the small things, I would never be trusted with the large things. Mm -hmm. So I decided to absolutely own everything that I do. And regardless of whether it's menial or not, I go for it. The second piece of advice I'd really give is um, try and make a niche for yourself, even doing things which other people don't want to do. So in my role, I've always enjoyed playing with data, but you'd be surprised how many people don't want to play with data, who don't like reports, they don't like business intelligence. And I think if you're looking to give yourself a bit of a career boost, or if you're thinking about trying to get closer to that C-suite, becoming involved with the data is a great way to do it. Now, you don't need AI to do that. Even just becoming an Excel whiz will make you so valuable in so many roles. Everyone needs Excel skills. That's great. Um, so be the best of what you can be, no matter what it is. And um, and really try to build a niche for yourself because um, then you can really stand out because you are the best. Um, so in this very dynamic industry of change all the time, how do you keep your technology skills current? Well, volunteering with the Data Kinds charity means that I have very very good strong problems to solve for those charities and it helps me to just get stuck in and try and make sure i get practice or helping the charity but the benefit for me is is that i'm using the most current technology in order to do that and i'm also having a very good impact i also listen to lots of podcasts i do that when i'm out walking my dogs or in the car so I tend to try and find lots of dead time during the day where I can just stick on my headphones or even install as some sort of podcasting technology on my phone. So I'm never without the opportunity to learn something. That's great. Learning, we, you know, we're obviously a training company and continuous learning is something that we really, really pride ourselves in teaching. It's not just learning in the classroom, but continuing learning every day, because I feel if you're not learning, you're dead. 
So uh, it just feels like, you know, even though things are changing, using different ways to keep your technology skills current is so, so critical. Well, this has been so, so great. So in closing, um, I'm going to ask you an interesting question. Uh, What three words would your friends use to describe you? I think the first one would be driven. I'm very driven. Mm -hmm. The second one, focused. And then the third one isn't really a phrase, but a friend said to me yesterday, she said, when did you develop a death stare? And I thought, <laughs> you mean? that's a terrible thing to say. And she said, well, I just saw you read an email just now. <laughs> and your face completely changed. And it was one of these real time-wasting emails. You probably get them where they're trying to spam you by selling you some sort of list. Mm-hmm. And... She'd never seen me do that before. And I said, well, I just don't like things that waste my time. And I guess um, if that could be encapsulated into a word somehow, uh, probably being very precious about how I spend my time is, is uh, would be number three. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And time is so precious. Um, we, you know, realize in the training business that our customers need more time more than budget dollars in many cases budget dollars might be there but time is so limited so keeping your time precious and using it for very focused and aligned uh projects and you know values i think is a great great uh attribute that you have well jen it was such a pleasure uh speaking with you i'd love to have you again on the show later talking about artificial intelligence um at some point so you know hopefully you'll be willing to do that and um i just loved love love chatting with you so thank you so much oh thank you for having me along and i'd be more than happy to come back and chat about ti it's my passion so yes anytime just let me know and um, thank you for having me along today And now, an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end-user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com 
forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.